So, Mark. Yes? Would you rather drink only water for the rest of your life, or would you rather be able to drink anything, but it has to have a little bit of pee in it? Uh, can I ask whose pee it is? Um, this is an excellent that question. That is a good question. I it could like be it... yours, but it could be mystery pee. See, I feel like my crippling caffeine addiction, which really got tested this week where it was 1 p.m. and I couldn't think because I hadn't had any coffee, makes me lean towards I should choose the latter. But it really does depend on who's pee, because if it's anyone else's, I feel like it's a lot weirder. Okay, but would you do it? I don't know. I think if it was someone else's pee, I'd probably choose just the water. Like, if it was my pee, you wouldn't do it? Ew, that makes it so much worse. <laughs> I'd rather... to, like, shake the hand I'd rather the a stranger's horrifying. pee than the pee of someone I know, honestly. Why? I feel like the eye contact you would have to make <laughs> with the person knowing you're drinking their pee if you are having any beverage together. Like, you pick up the glass and you look Fiona at them. Fiona is taking right a drink now. right now. Fiona, you know I peed in that glass a little bit. I expected nothing less. I mean, I think I would definitely do it. I don't even really care. Like, a drop of pee, I can live with it. If it's a drop, then the flavor of whatever you're drinking, unless it's water, will pretty much mask it. Right. I think. Right. The concentration. In this situation, does even water have pee in it, though? Or do you still get I think a reprieve? Yes. I think everything you drink okay. has a little bit of pee in it. Yeah, I'd probably choose that one. Yeah, put a little pee in my Dr. Pepper. The pee does have hashtag to be in my pepper. a little bit yellow. Do not use that hashtag, that's horrifying. <laughs> hashtag pee in my pepper is the official hashtag of our episode on this movie. That is you gotta get used to it. the worst no. one. Thank you, Mark. That is horrible. I hate it. Anyway, welcome to We Love You can the- also call it hashtag peeper. <laughs> I honestly like that more because there's less of an action involved in it. Oh, I didn't even read it as an action. I read it as a descriptor. Like, there is pee in my pepper. Yeah, but I feel like... It is kind of a command. Yeah, it is. That is... I don't know which is worse. I think peeing pepper. The peeper. Wait, you're saying, like, a pepper that is peeing? No, no, no. Like, you peeing pepper. Oh. This is disgusting. <laughs> no one's gonna want to listen to this anymore. And I, you know what? I'm horrified to be a part of this. Fiona has been yelling for this episode for a year and a half. 117 episodes it. and we've killed the show. <laughs> Goodbye, folks. <laughs> That's all. Until next time, I'm a ginger. And I'm gay. And I'm a sad ginger. <laughs> We've broken Fiona, finally. <laughs> no. <laughs> anyway, should we start the episode and get off the subject of pee? Yes, please. I'm sure we can find our way back if we want. Yeah, I have complete confidence in you, Will. Welcome to We Love the Love, a Hollywood romance podcast. I'm Mark, and I'm gay. And I'm Will, and I'm a ginger. This, of course, is an investigative podcast dedicated to examining the most pressing urgent issues of our day, but mostly just asking whether Hollywood romance actually makes any sense. And are these people actually dateable or even likable? It doesn't matter if the romance is a main plot or a one-scene flirtation or something contrived by possibly the worst sibling ever in a movie. We'll dig in, we'll see what's there, and we will never stop. And this week, as you know, we are joined by hashtag Fifi Fierce, my sister Fiona, to cover one of our most requested movies, but most of those requests are from her. Fifi Fierce gives this I have no shame. gives this sibling a run for her money, though. I will say, <gasps> Mark, how dare <laughs> you? The digs early. I have never once sent out a sibling's love letter. I have. I. I. You know what? Although I do love Kitty, so let's just look and see. What do you like about Kitty? What redeeming okay. qualities does she have? She has some very funny lines. 
when she talks about the moon goddess and one of my favorite i'm not going to give away yet what happens but there's there's a scene where there's this huge fight on the front porch and people storm away and she stands there and she just goes guess i'll order a pizza i was watching and i turned to the person i was watching with and i said that's a line fiona loves oh yeah i spent a lot of this movie being like i know which lines fiona is obsessed with (laughs) That is absolutely one of Fiona, them. did you rewind that one and watch it over and over? No, because that was a thing of Fiona's past. I don't do that anymore. I did appreciate Kitty's commitment to a bit in how every time her sister drove, she put on a helmet and didn't, yeah, oh, I loved and didn't it. just- I thought that was obnoxious. I thought, I mean- That is something I would have done. Having driven with yeah, bad- Yeah, you're obnoxious. <laughs> having driven with bad drivers, sometimes it would be nice to have a little extra security. I thought it was obnoxious that she did it all the time, and then when- Lara Jean didn't want to be driving. Kitty was then complaining, like, why can't you drive us around? And it's like, you clearly don't want to be driven by her. Okay, that is very classic little first. sibling. <laughs> safety first, Will. Helmets are necessary in certain situations. Okay. Mm-hmm. We have not introduced the movie. Fiona, this is your episode. Talk to us. Okay, so this movie is To All the Boys I've Loved Before, which is a Netflix original movie, but it is actually based on a series of books by Jenny Han, and they're tween books. You have read them, right? I've read all of them. They are so good. I love them almost as much as I love the movie. So I heard about it from Catherine Sizemore, friend of the show, and my first viewing was actually after I had done an overnight shift at work. So I came home, I got in bed, and I started watching it. This is me running on one hour of sleep, and I sobbed through the entire movie. Not sad sobs, just like emotional, happy sobs, sad sobs. I laughed, I cried, it was great. To be clear, you also cried during the film New Year's Eve. Why you gotta bring that up? (laughs) I just want to establish the bar of you crying during a movie. (laughs) Okay, but like I said, okay, I have cried multiple times watching this movie. Not sad tears, happy tears. And, uh, you know, I stand by it. I stand by it. I really do. And by crying during New Year's Eve. (laughs) You regret that one. That's the time of my life I'm forgetting. No, you know what? It was a very emotional roller coaster. There was a death and a birth in about two minutes, and it was just a high and a low that got to me. Did you cry during Martin Luther King Day, too? I can't believe it's Martin Luther King Day, and we both don't have dates. Wait, is that a movie? It's a 30 Rock joke. Oh, Mark okay. is contractually required seen... to make a 30 Rock reference in as many episodes as possible, and I am contractually required to cut most of them. Oh, okay. Yep. Oh, okay. I've seen 30 Rock, but not enough times to get all of the jokes or to remember I've them. watched that trailer specifically on YouTube so many times. Oh, of course. It's the perfect Gary Marshall parody. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm Gary Marshall. So, To All the Boys I've Loved Before was released on Netflix in 2018. It was directed by Susan Johnson. It was her second directorial effort after Carrie Pilby in 2017. That was a TIFF movie that barely got released. So this is really her first movie seen by a wide audience. The book was optioned by Will Smith and James Lasseter's production company in 2014. And it was written by Sofia Alvarez, who had written Man Seeking Woman for FXX. They shot it in July 2017, and then Netflix bought it in March 2018. So it was not shot under the auspices of Netflix, but they are the distributor of it, and of the sequels. Yeah, so the reason we're at long last covering this movie is because the second movie, which I believe is To All the Boys, P.S. I Love You, comes out this Wednesday. I think it's P.S. I Still Love You. It is still, yep. Also, who releases a movie on a Wednesday? Netflix, what are you doing? Yeah, even Netflix typically does Friday releases. Yeah, because they're not monsters. But they want this out 
in time for Valentine's Day. Oh, that makes sign, in my opinion. Yep. A true romance movie. Is Valentine's Day a big weekend for movies? Like, do people go to movies on Valentine's Day? Yeah, it's a decent weekend. All right. So they're trying to be like, here's our new release. Don't even go to the theater. Just stay home. Except that Valentine's Day is a Friday this year, so they could just drop it on Friday and be like, here's your Valentine's movie. Yeah, I don't know. That's kind of scary to me. But here's the question. How many couples are going to watch this together? And maybe they're releasing it early for like a Galentine's Day thing before Valentine's Day. That's conceivable. Netflix has not explained it to me personally, so I do not know. Your uh, your hookup there is not helping you out here? My hookup at Netflix is tweeting at them and then them not responding. Oh, good. I think good. that's a lot of people's relationship to Netflix. Yes. Probably. So this movie was, of course, released on Netflix in August 2018 and pretty quickly became one of their bigger hits, at least in terms of pop culture conversation. It's always hard to tell how many people watch a Netflix movie because they don't release viewership numbers. Well, I can tell them that I've watched it probably 15 times. Okay, so that's interesting. (laughs) Wow, (laughs) that is many times. Can you explain to us why this movie that has existed for less than two years is something you've watched so many times? It's not that long. It's only an hour and 40 minutes. So it's something that I can literally sit down and watch in less than two hours. And it puts me in the best mood. (laughs) That is how time works. I love it. Uh, Let me just tell you, we have a framed photo of Noah Centineo, a.k.a. Peter Kavinsky, in my apartment. So this movie just really is excellent. And so why not rewatch it? Why not revisit a movie that is just so good? Is the intention that it's a photo in your apartment of Noah Centineo or a photo of Peter Kavinsky? Peter Kavinsky. I enjoyed the movie. I did not care for Peter Kavinsky. Agreed. Really? No, he's kind of a turd. Yeah, they made him drive the douchiest car I've ever seen in a movie. And he's like, he's really His mom not- probably bought that for him. <laughs> he, didn't, he might probably didn't pick it. All right. Still a giant gas guzzler. All right. I don't know. He just like, I expected to like him more based off of the cultural conversation around him. He is not as idealized of a rom-com high school love interest as I expected. But he seems like a real high, like a real person. Sure, but like in the most annoying ways where he is like terrible at communication. And like I compare that to another faux relationship movie, Can't Buy Me Love. One of the things I like about that movie is that both characters think they're being really clear with each other and they think they're communicating really well, but they still have this conflict because they were wrong about how effectively they were communicating. Whereas in this movie, they're both not communicating and that's where all their problems come from because they refuse to talk to each other. Yeah, it drove me crazy that I couldn't even tell if Peter liked her when this whole thing started because the movie almost seemed to be unclear about that. I could absolutely tell. But then what's the point of him doing the whole faux-lationship thing if he likes her? It was a trick. He wasn't ready to admit it yet, but he knew, I think somehow he was trying to make it happen. Sophia, you support tricking women into joining relationships? No. You support lying, is what you're saying. No. He felt a certain way. He told her he felt a different way. And you think this is a good way to start a relationship? No. It sounds like that's what you no. said. No. <laughs> You are, of course, the Dame of Deception, the Lady of Lies. <laughs> I don't like any of these titles. I request, I, I believe I sent a tweet the to the show. The Madam of I would like to be called the Storyteller instead of the Dame of Deception. I like to tell stories. I have a good imagination. I feel like by making names she hates even more, she's truly accepted Fifi Fierce into her identity, though. <laughs> 
Yeah, she was annoyed about being listed by that when it started. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay with that now. I mean, you brought it on yourself by choosing that to be your iTunes commenting name in like 2008. <laughs> I do not even remember that. I did not come up with that name. Someone else came up with it. And I don't know how that became my iTunes name. I honestly do not. Someone did it for me. A spy. <laughs> so, Fiona, I have another question for you. This movie and Lana Condor and Noah Centineo won the MTV Movie Award for Best Kiss in 2018. Their kiss at the end. Or the kiss. I was going to ask, which kiss do you think it is? I thought it was Hot Tub Kiss. I also assumed it was the Hot Tub. Oh, I wasn't even thinking about that one. I was thinking about the one on the track. Oh, okay. See, the one on the track. I don't think that's it. The one on the track is just a classic movie kiss. The Hot Tub Kiss is, I'd say, the one that's elevated. I would agree. I do always think it's a problem when the winner or nominees for Best Kiss it's not immediately clear which one they're talking about because they don't say it. I My guess would be the one at the end. I think it's the hot tub because that's the one that's unusual. I guess it is unusual. Can we also just talk about how the lead actress has the coolest name? Lana Condor. Yeah. So this is only her third movie. So she first appeared as Jubilee in X-Men Apocalypse, which was one where everyone was really excited for her. And then she was barely used in the movie because that's how the X-Men movies work. (laughs) They're just like, we cast this X-Men. And we're all like, cool. And they're like, they're in one scene and barely speak. Then she was in Patriot's Day, that Peter Berg movie about the Boston Marathon bombing. And then she was in this. I forgot that movie existed entirely part of the mark Wahlberg as a patriotic hero genre yeah there are too many of those movies there really are so speaking of other movies these characters have been in i despite what you guys think i do love peter kavinsky i have not enjoyed any of the other movies that noah centineo has been in yeah so centineo he had been on the fosters that freeform show then he was the love interest in like a barely released 2017 romance called SPF 18. I've and seen then, it. And then, that's too low okay. of an it's, SPF. That is correct. <laughs> you will, you'll get skin cancer with that. But that movie is weird and just a waste of your life. Okay. There's also a weird cartoon, like, Oregon Trail style. If you know what I'm talking Like, the animation style looks like the like, old yeah. school Oregon Trail. And it's multicolored and it's a weird dream sequence. And it is bizarre. That could be fun, though. Like, think about the Barbie scene in Booksmart. I haven't seen that. Oh, well, what are you doing? Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know, missing out. But since To All the Boys I've Loved Before, Noah Centineo has been in three other Netflix rom-coms, and he was in The New Charlie's Angels last year. Right. And I have not seen all three. I've seen The Perfect Date, and I've seen Sierra Burgess is a Loser, and I really didn't like either one of them. And it is a thing where, like, the production timeline was such that he would have had to shoot some of those before To All the Boys came out. True. But you get the sense that, like, Netflix maybe saw this and was like, oh, we've got a star here. Let's double down. Um... Now, the actress who plays Kitty has been... Anna Cathcart. Yes, she was in Descendants 2, I believe. And 3 and the Under the Sea special. I have not seen any of these. I have seen Descendants 1, which she was not in. Yeah, I think she plays Lady Tremaine's kid. Okay. She's also on a PBS show called The Odd Squad. Interesting. But the best is that John Corbett is in this movie of My Big Fat Greek Wedding fame. Of course. (laughs) In several other movies. We gotta do that movie one day. I have told you to do that movie. That movie's box office history is wild. It's a great movie. Um, You've read the books. Yes. Is Josh in the other books? Yes. Okay, because Israel Broussard is not in the other movies. So the thing is, is that the movie actually cuts into part of the second book. They don't cut the first movie where the first book ends. So where, there's where like a... Where does the first book end? Um, I believe... Oh, shoot. Well, okay, so... 
man, now I got to remember this. But so like the breakup, the big breakup, we're giving away stuff of the plot, but the big breakup, I believe, is in the second book. I don't remember all the details. It's been months since I've read them, but I know that the timeline is not the same and that there's sort of some overlap between the second book and the first movie. Okay. So they made this movie not anticipating the sequels then, I'm guessing, and they're going to have to do some changes. Well, I know they recast John Ambrose in the sequels. Yeah, and he actually becomes a major character in the other books. Like, there's potential love triangles going on between... Laura Jean, Peter Kavinsky, and John Ambrose. Scale of 0 to 10, how excited are you for love triangles in this universe? very excited. Although, it kind of made me mad because I loved Peter Kavinsky, but then John Ambrose, I like him too, and it's it's a painful love triangle. Is he the model UN guy? Yes. Oh, so he's the one that shows up for five seconds at the end? Yes. Okay. So, but in the books, he previously had gone to school with Laura Jean and Peter Kavinsky and Jen, and they were all really good friends. And then he moved. So Peter knows John Ambrose, whereas in the movie, it seems like she met him away at some like camp, camp at some conference or something. It's um, M-U-N. Yeah. So they know each other. And it's definitely he plays a bigger role than they made it seem in the movie fascinating the real reason i think israel broussard is not in the other movies is because he has an unfortunate twitter history yeah oh no yeah like sandy hook conspiracy stuff uh stuff about black lives matter islamophobic stuff nothing ideal okay okay so i remember so you know when uh she reads the love letters from peter and then she there's the kiss at the end so they do not get back together in the end of the first book. That all happens in the second book. Okay. Yeah. It makes sense that they moved it, though. The movie... Yeah. Is you just... can't leave the movie as a yeah. cliffhanger. Yeah, like, this does work as a contained movie. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's why I feel like they probably... They threw in the MUN guy as, like, a fun joke more than a sequel hook, I thought. Like, I didn't know... I thought It's so. like Howard the Duck at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, I didn't think there would be a sequel to this until this episode. <laughs> yeah, although they've actually already filmed the third one as well. Yeah, I think they filmed them kind of together. I mean, the large yeah. scope of this movie is similar to Lord of the Rings, where you have to film all three at the same time. It's really one movie. Well, also, how often do you want to fly the cast to New Zealand? Yeah, it's weird that they chose to shoot it in New Zealand. Incredibly expensive. <laughs> yeah. Where is this movie set? I couldn't really tell. I always assume it's LA. They shot LA. it in Vancouver, and I think it's maybe Pacific Northwest? So, I looked, and it's supposed to take place in Portland. The books, though, take place in Richmond. Like, complete opposite side of the country. So Richmond is where Jenny Han grew up. Yes. And the book takes place there. And in the book, like, they talk about making a date, like a night trip up to DC. It's in one of the later books. She and her friend, uh, Chris, drive up to DC just for the night. See, on the other hand, Vancouver has very favorable tax credits for filming. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it it is supposed to take place in Portland, according to the internet. Cool. (laughs) I feel like it's kind of like... Edge of 17, where it's, like, vaguely Pacific Northwest, but never really comes up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it doesn't... There's nothing in the story that necessitates an actual named city. No. It's all just vaguely rich people in a white suburb. I guess it's yeah. not that white. The background That's true. is. It is a very, a very wealthy suburb. It is. Yeah. So, basically, we'll cover the whole plot in the romance. So, should we start diving into the points... Yeah, so every week we divide up the romance of a movie into five points that help us to dig into everything that's going on. Now, Fiona, 
you have seen this movie 15 times. That's correct. I almost didn't rewatch it for this. So. But I wanted to. You are going to be in charge of guiding us through the five points of the romance of To All the Boys I've Loved Before. All right, let's get started. So, Laura Jean, also known as LJ or Covey. So she's got this box. Covey being her last name. Yes, yes. Her name is Laura Jean Covey. I had to check because I thought she was just being called Cubby. Like as I a weird too. nickname by teachers. Yes. I thought that, but I think I picked up from Fiona what the character's last name yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's got this box of five love letters. And throughout her life, when she's had a crush on a boy, she will write them a love letter. And it's kind of like an outlet. So... She doesn't obsess over them. She writes the letter, puts it in an envelope, puts it in a box, and moves on. I love that, like, angsty writing. Oh, yeah. Great move. I've done it. But she actually addresses it to a person. Yes. No stamps, but she does address the envelope. So the thing that happens is that Kitty finds this box of letters and decides... She, Kitty thinks it's kind of sad that Laura Jean doesn't really hang out with friends. She hangs out with her 11-year-old sister on the weekends. And so Kitty is like, oh, well, maybe if I send these letters out, Laura Jean can get a boyfriend, and she'll have more of a social life. So of these letters, one of them goes to... This is a horrible thing to do. Yes. This is so unacceptable. This is, out, like, the worst move you could pull. Yeah. She is forgiven far too quickly for this action. Basically immediately. And Margot is weirdly not appreciative of why Lara Jean is mad either. Yeah, like this was a big thing to do and Margot was, was kind of like, you need to be over it right now. You, like, Which is not a realistic expectation. I think Margot kind of cares more about her idea that she and her sisters have a perfect relationship than about actually necessarily doing the emotional honest work. Yeah, and you can see that too where she's telling Laura Jean like, oh, you have to keep your room clean to be an example for Kitty. You have to give stuff away to be an example for Kitty. You have to like do this when it comes to dinner, blah, blah, blah. Like she's got these rules that she's got in her head that have to stick no matter what comes up. Marco has a very weird idealized version of what being an older sister means. Yes, which like their mother is dead. So I don't think she would be this way had they had a mother in their life, but it is still kind of weird. Yeah. Um, So of these letters, so one of them goes to the next door neighbor, Josh, who is Laura Jean's first real crush. It's also her sister Margot's boyfriend and very quickly in the movie ex-boyfriend exactly and we'll come back to that and Margot broke up with him right before leaving for college she was going to college in scotland and their mother had told her to never go to college with a boyfriend so that was why they broke up i mean that again speaks to Margot as seeing like there is a prescriptive way to do things that you have to follow along and her mom said never go to college with a boyfriend so she's like all right we have to break up right not because she wanted to just because it was the thing she thought she was supposed to do that said that turkey drop was going to happen yeah, I think so. Oh, for people who may not know, when I was an RA in college, we would refer to the turkey drop, which is when freshmen go back home for Thanksgiving break and break up with their high school significant other. So then another letter goes to Lucas, who is a boy that she danced with at homecoming. And in the homecoming scene that they show when they're showing each of the letters, the teacher there is actually Jenny Han. She makes a little cameo in the movie. Oh, nice. Yeah. Lucas is gay. In the least shocking twist of them all. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, nothing's going to happen there. Did you have something something to add with? Uh, (laughs) No. (laughs) You just looked like you had something big. The thing is that I associate the name Lucas so strongly with Lucas Grabeel, 
that then I make the jump to Ryan in High School Musical, and I'm like, yes, Lucas is clearly a gay person, whoever it is. So Lucas gets a letter. Um, Another one goes to John Ambrose McLaren. Like we talked about earlier, he is the model UN kid slash potentially former classmate. Another letter goes to this boy she met in summer camp. He doesn't matter. I don't know what his name is. I don't even, they probably mention it once and that's it. I don't think they Let's do. Let's call him Franklin. I heard Franklin and I heard Mark say something. I, I really don't think Largine ever says his name. Yeah, I know they show the envelope like addressed to him, but I don't even know what it said. His name is Franklin Frankland. Okay, great. Weird, but great. Okay, so the last letter goes to Peter Kavinsky, who she has known for basically her entire life. He's currently dating Largine's ex-best friend, now enemy, Jen. And she knows Peter. They're not in the same group of friends currently. But in the books, they had been very close up until about seventh or eighth grade. When the kissing party happened. Yes. And actually, very different thing in the movie and the book. So in the the movie, since that's what we're talking about, they're at a party. It's seventh grade. They're playing spin the bottle. Laura Jean spins it. And it lands on Peter Kavinsky. And you see a little Jen looking very upset about this. And Laura Jean doesn't want to upset her friend. And she's like, oh, I can spin again. And Peter goes, you can't cheat the bottle. And so they kiss. And it's just a little, like, it's a quick peck. And then they're done. And that was enough to throw Jen over the edge. They are no longer friends. Which is a very middle school thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. But so now she's dating Peter, who then receives this letter from Lord. Did either of you see Good Boys last year? No. No. It kind of rules. It was advertised as like a hardcore raunch com, which isn't what it is. It's a movie about three middle school boys who are kind of awkward and get invited to a kissing party and spend their day trying to figure out how to kiss so they won't look like idiots at the party. That's kind of funny. It's pretty adorable. It's weird that a kissing party is a thing. Yeah. I mean, I only really know this from movies. My friends and I were sitting around watching movies. Yeah. Weird things happen in movies. Oh, I believe they're real. Oh, I believe they're real, too. But it's weird. I just think it's very apparent that none of the three of us would be invited to kissing parties. <laughs> oh, why is that? Why? Well, Fiona's too busy re-watching to all the boys I loved before. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. So these letters get out, which is a huge concern for Laura Jean because of the letter and to again, Josh. They don't get out. Laura Jean's sister takes them, puts stamps on them. And then mails them. Grossly invades her sister's privacy. Correct. The big problem, though, is that one of these goes to Josh, who had just been broken up with by Laura Jean's sister, Margot, literally three days ago, I think. And the letter basically says, Josh, I had dibs. Yeah, basically. So Laura Jean is running on the track at school, and she sees Peter Kavinsky come up, and he's got his letter, and she's like, oh, no, he got my letter. So she's talking to him. He's trying to say, like, oh, you know, Jen and I, we just broke up last night. This is not going to happen. And then she sees Josh approaching with the letter in hand. And so basically she's like, this cannot happen. He cannot know that this is a current feeling. And so she pulls Peter in. They make out on the ground in the middle of her gym class on the track. And then she runs away and proceeds to avoid Josh at all costs. She also hides in the bathroom after that. And that's when Lucas comes in and is like, you know, I'm gay, right? And she says, yes, even though apparently she did not know. He's like, I had fun at that dance too, but a different sort of fun. Yeah. I thought they were really cute at that dance though. Like just, they were having a great time. They were, but they had him come over and like have him compliment her dress and then just be super into dancing. So it was very apparent what the movie was doing. Yeah, and she complimented his ascot, and he said, oh, it's a cravat. Oh, yeah, that part, too. 
I will always associate cravats with Hugh Grant and Paddington too. Oh, yeah. But I feel like this sort of rekindles their friendship. And I th- I really like their friendship throughout the movie. I think they're cute friends. So your points are very dense. Uh, where are we? I, we have finished point one. <laughs> yes, Mark? I have not read any of your points because they're too overwhelming. <laughs> these are paragraphs. Okay. The first point is that she writes these letters. The letters get sent out. And now she has to convince Josh that she's not in love with him. That's okay. point one. It's not that I wanted to steal my sister's boyfriend or anything. I was super happy for Margot. She deserves a great guy like Josh. And so I wrote him a letter. Now I wasn't going to send the letter or anything. It was just for me to understand how I was feeling. All to right. summarize. I can summarize each of the points at the end. Like, start with a summary, and then we can all talk about what we want within that point. Okay. Then, okay, so point two is Peter is concerned that Laura Jean kissed him. So he goes to find her and he basically suggests that they should pretend to date each other so that Jen will be jealous and want him back and that Laura Jean can convince Josh that she is not in love with him. So that's my summary. First things first, we need to have a contract so we're on the same page about the rules. Guy rules? Come on, you really know how to zap the fun out of a situation? Well, it's important to know where you stand on certain issues. (laughs) And she is like kind of wary at first, but agrees to do it to avoid having to be awkward around Josh. Right. Because if she is obviously dating this hot shot guy at school, then obviously the letter he received is not relevant. So they start drawing up a contract and they establish a bunch of rules for themselves. I have those rules. They're interesting. Okay. Okay. So no more kisses because she has never had a real first kiss. Although he was her first kiss back in seventh grade. Yes. But she has never had a boyfriend. She doesn't want them to be kissing and making out all the time when it's not real. He can, though, put his hand in her back pocket, which he thought was weird. She says it's from 16 Candles, which I've actually never seen. Classic John Hughes. The only thing I know about it is how racist Long Duck Dong is. Yeah, Yeah. I thought it was interesting that the movie did specifically call out how racist Long Duck Dong is, but didn't really engage with it. Well, their response was that the guy was so attractive that they would be okay watching it which is an interesting take the other i don't know i've never yeah like i feel comfortable being like this is a movie say that i really appreciate but there are some problematic elements that you have to reckon with yeah but i thought it would be interesting to see the movie talk about that and they really didn't yeah i think their focus is really just on the romance i feel like it's either a missed opportunity for deeper engagement or just a weird choice that they could have chosen another john hughes movie to do if they didn't want to have that conversation Right, because if they wanted to delve more into it, you'd have to do a lot more, I think. And I don't think they wanted to spend too much time being a serious movie. It's just supposed to be a fun rom-com movie. But then they made the point to make the comment, maybe to cover themselves. I don't know. Like it could have been pretty in pink. Yeah. But that actually goes into the contract that he has to watch 16 Candles and she will have to watch Fight Club. Yes. So I've actually seen neither of these movies, but another rule is that no one is allowed to know this is fake, which seems obvious. Why would you pretend to date? And But like, don't tell anybody. So like, Lara Jean can't tell her friend Chris. Or even right. Kitty. Or their families. You're right. Exactly. So I think that is noteworthy. Yeah, that's true. Also, he has to write her little notes every day. This is something that Jen had wanted him to do and he never did it. So he's like, this will make it really clear to her that I'm really into this faux relationship because she'll see me doing this thing that she had wanted me to do. Right. Laura Jean has to go to all of his lacrosse games and the parties with him. And then Peter has to drive Laura Jean and Kitty to and from school every day. And then the big one that they debate about is that she has to go with him on the ski trip. 
She only agrees to go on the ski trip because she's convinced that their whole fake relationship will be finished by the time the ski trip actually comes around. Which, valid. I feel like expecting a fake relationship to end within three months is actually a fairly mature position. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think the mistake is like Can't Buy Me Love, for example, to draw that comparison again, they set an end date. Yeah. It feels like it's missing from this contract. This movie is inviting comparisons to Can't Buy Me Love. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I brought up her friend Chris a second ago. There is one thing I need to raise when talking about Chris. There is a point where she is texting and she has an emoji that is not just a sandwich. The emoji is specifically a Subway sandwich. That doesn't exist. Right. So the only thing I can figure out is that maybe Chris downloaded an app that had just a keyboard of Subway emojis. So then there would be an emoji that's like a cup, but it's a Subway cup. And I don't know, an emoji that is like slightly stale bread. The even weirder thing is Subway paid Netflix to have someone code specifically Subway emojis that they then had to download onto the fake phone given to the actress. You guys, the number of times they referenced Subway in this movie is like ridiculous. Yes, it's hilarious. Subway deserves a producer credit with how much money must have gone into that i'm sending you guys a subway emoji it's a screenshot of what they used i can't actually make it an emoji we can keep talking yeah so i'll send it later after they figure out the whole contract thing we just move into them following the contract right is this still point two uh i believe so yes yes so they have some ups and downs throughout this period but like we see them walking around with his hand in her pocket he's given her notes Right. You see Jen getting jealous. They go to a party together. I thought it was really nice. Peter understood that she was a little uncomfortable at parties. She hadn't done this before. So he brought her an empty cup. (laughs) I'm assuming that's the reason that that cup was clearly empty. (laughs) He did that on purpose to help her It's weird that his cup was empty too, but I'm assuming it's a solidarity thing or maybe because he drove her. Well, he he is supposedly drinking kombucha. That's his story. That is one plus in the Peter Kavinsky column is that he is responsible and not drinking and driving. Yes. As opposed to, like, say anything where you just have Lloyd Dobler collecting keys and deciding whether someone is too drunk to go home. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So uh, one thing that happens at the party is that he tells her not to put her hair in a ponytail. He likes her hair down. And he takes her scrunchie, which Jen then steals from him and says she's going to keep for a while, which is... A gross move. Yeah. Because you know she's going to do something rude and mean with it. This is also where we clearly see that Jen is... Jen doesn't know that this relationship is fake, but she's also refusing to accept the reality of it and trying to cut in and establish that her relationship with Peter is more important than Peter's alleged relationship with Large. Well, right. And Jen at this point is dating a college student and yet she still calls Peter every night. She's texting him nonstop, which is something that Laura Jean kind of criticizes him on. And they have a little kind of debate about how he treats the relationship with his ex-girlfriend. Right, which she's saying you're not giving yourself the space to actually not be with her. Right. Which he, in theory, is only with Lara Jean to get back with her, so I feel like Lara Jean shouldn't be that mad about it. But that's the point. Neither of them actually want it to be fake, right? Right, because nobody is communicating. Exactly. So they go to a diner after the party, and they're talking, and he asks her, you know, 
you say you're afraid of love and kind of making yourself vulnerable and putting yourself out there, but you don't seem afraid to be with me. And she goes, that's because it's all pretend. And he's visibly upset. And he goes, oh, Laura Jean telling the truth, keeping us honest. You can tell he's upset it's by her bringing that up. so weird how they started the relationship in love, but not admitting it. That's the mm-hmm. thing I was most confused about in the movie. It's very weird. Yeah, it is kind of weird. The diner scene also... I think is like the perfect scene for illustrating the best and worst of this movie from a filmmaking standpoint, where there are some really nice shots of the two of them sitting across the table, like in profile, talking to each other. But this movie also has a weird tendency to do a lot of shot reverse shot conversation stuff, but also like whenever somebody is talking, just having them isolated it in the middle of the frame. And I know the value of close-ups on like something that people are going to watch on a phone because it's easy to see then, but I don't have the vocabulary to talk about why this works that way. But if you pay attention, you can see the background out of focus, like curving pretty dramatically beyond people. I noticed it in the first scene with her dad talking at the dinner table, but it happens a lot with other people, including in this diner scene. I didn't really pay attention to that, but... When you watch it the 16th time, look for it. The way this movie is shot is kind of weird. Okay. So at the diner, they're having this conversation. He gets bad, and then they both leave. And at home is this when she sees Bay on Insta and rightfully drags him. Yes, it is. But you can tell she thinks it's kind of cute at the same time. Yeah, yeah he posted a picture with her. Right, and said bae, and then she called him a dork, and then he responded with the wink kiss emoji. And she gets the classic teenager look. And weirdly, at- the wink kiss, the person was wearing a Subway t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Subway paid for this whole movie. And she has the very classic trope now of teenager smiling at phone, refusing to admit feelings. Which is just, how are we in this world? How are we here? Hey, you gotta use the reality that exists. I'm sure this happens That's a lot. That's true. So through this time, though, the one thing is that they kind of both bond over the fact that it's not the same, but so her mom had died and his dad had left. And so they have that sort of shared experience that they bond over as well. But they're getting really close and they're spending a lot of time with each other's families and Kitty really likes Peter and Laura Jean was like, oh, Peter, your brother's shy. Kitty could probably help him out with that. All the while, Josh appears to be getting very jealous. He does not like... Josh is like lurking on the margins of her life, spying on her. Yeah. Like, if you told me he had a pair of binoculars watching the house, I would believe it. <laughs> Can you imagine? Yes, that's what I Actually, just said. yes. I think he probably does because of a scene that happens later. But yeah, so basically... They're struggling. They're doing this fake dating thing. They both secretly have feelings for each other, but it's all still fake. And that's the deal. That's point two, unless you have anything else to say. No, I mean, I think that's it. Like, they are clearly into each other. Although I found it a little bit difficult to tell how into her Peter was. Like, it was clear that she was going all in. But because he has this thing with Jen, it is a little bit difficult to tell how much he's committing to one versus the other. It feels like he is trying to keep both plates spinning. Yeah. And that's something where in the book... What you find out is that Jen's dad has been having an affair. So she's very upset about this. And Peter, having known her family for so long, she keeps reaching out to him and he keeps feeling responsible for kind of supporting her. And so that's a lot of where his continued return to Jen is based off of that. 
So that explains why to me, because I thought it was really weird how much they were talking without a reason. Yeah, like that makes sense. Yeah. And again, I don't know, like, if they were to add that in, how much time would that take up? I, can you do a quick mention of it? Right. I don't know. No, Maybe. I think it may, I understand why they cut it, but I also, like, they're trying to make a 90 minute movie. They went a little over, but I do appreciate knowing that because it does help explain stuff. Yeah, definitely. So, should we move on to point number three? Let's do it. So, their fake relationship. In fact, does last the multiple months that brings them to the ski trip. Sorry, I'm not a good skier. You didn't even offer to teach me. Oh, and I'm supposed to be sweet to you after you just don't sit with me on the bus ride up here. Well, shouldn't you be thanking me that you got to sit next to who you actually wanted to? Wow, it's like they enjoy spending time with each other. Imagine that. And cannot communicate that reality to each other. Right, because Laura Jean didn't want to go on the ski trip. She told Peter that she would only go if her friend Chris goes, knowing that Chris does not attend school functions and Chris would never go, so Laura Jean doesn't have to go. When Chris finds out this is what Laura Jean had said, she said, oh, I'm absolutely going on the ski trip with you because she's been aware of Jen trying to kind of get Peter back and is not a fan of it. And and she is actually Jen's cousin and she also hates Jen and she does not want Jen to have that satisfaction. So she's like, nope, I'm going on the ski trip. You are too. We're making this happen. And they get on a big bus with a wraparound ad for Subway. (laughs) There's a giant Subway sandwich on the top of the bus. They're listening to music on Pandora, but whoever's phone is hooked up doesn't have paid Pandora. So they keep getting Subway ads in the middle of their songs. So Laura Jean gets on the bus and Peter is kind of like, okay, here, I've got this seat for us. And she goes, no, no, I want to sit with Chris. I need to make sure she's okay, which Peter's very upset about. Yeah, Peter's like, what the heck? You're my girlfriend. You should be sitting with me. So then Jen gets on the bus and is thrilled to see that Laura Jean is not sitting with Peter. And she decides she's going to sit with Peter and she's going to turn this whole weekend into a Peter and Jen weekend. So Laura Jean thinks that the reason Peter is trying to get her to sit with him is because he just wants to maintain his image with the bros. And this kind of comes back a lot about her writing off Peter's reaching out as trying to just impress his guy friends. Yeah, she doesn't really give him credit for maybe not being a total jerk, you know? Right. And we do see her like getting along with his friends and having a nice time engaging with those people. Yeah, they're very different. Than her normal friends. Friend. But her friend. But they're very different from her too. But she does enjoy spending time with them. One of my favorite, this is, uh, this scene is from back when they're at the party at the kid's house. But one of my favorite lines is when Peter goes, oh, is this your new place? And he goes, yeah, yeah. Well, it's my parents, but I'll take credit for it. Which is accurate. Yeah, exactly. It's the teen girl squad joke about like, you mean your parents' house? <laughs> you mean two bathrooms? Yeah. <laughs> So they're at the ski weekend and Jen is being very showy about how she's kind of making moves on Peter and she yells down to him from the balcony like, oh, last one down the hill owes the other one a hot toddy. So Laura Jean and Lucas decide they're going to spend the whole weekend inside. They're going to do Korean face masks and read romance books and not ski because neither of them want to be out in the cold. Yeah, we know Laura Jean's really into romance novels because we start the movie with her like doing a full tree of life, wandering through a field with her hand in 
the grain. Which is the weirdest thing. I don't actually love that intro. It's a weird intro because they never really go into that, like, magical realism dream space ever again. Right. The closest thing is at the very end of the movie, she's like, I did get to make out in a field, a lacrosse field. And it's like, that's a callback to a thing that we had mostly forgotten about. Yeah, exactly. Or, if you're me, completely forgotten about and did not pick up on the reason <laughs> for that line. <laughs> that's that's great. Oh. Like, if you're going to do the Jane the Virgin thing, go all in. Yeah, but they don't have time to do that, really. Is the thing. Okay, so they're at there, and so she's kind of bonding with Lucas. They're in the room, and he basically tells her that he can tell Peter really likes her, and that if there's one of them that entered into this fake relationship stupidly, it would be Peter, because it's clear that Peter likes Laura Jean more than Laura Jean likes Peter. And he explains that Peter's probably upset because Laura Jean wouldn't sit with him and wouldn't ski with him, and... He accurately predicts that Peter is probably out in the hot tub waiting by himself for Laura Jean to show up. So Laura Jean goes out and Peter is sitting there in the hot so tub. So I have a question Looking about Looking very this. moody. Yeah. Did Peter invite her to the hot tub and I missed it? Or... No, it did not get mentioned. Is he just expecting her to randomly decide to go to the hot tub? Or is he just... I think it's the latter. Okay. I don't know that I think he is upset and I think he wants to be alone and he's hoping that they will run into each other this weekend. Um, I don't think he's necessarily expecting like, oh, she should know I'll be at the hot tub, you know? Yeah, I guess he is kind of surprised to see her. Yeah. Uh, also, another reason that I didn't care for Peter is it's 2018. You should not be wearing those disgusting past the knee length bright red board shorts. His swimsuit was so bad. (laughs) It is weird. I don't pay attention to that. I just look at his beautiful face. So they're in the hot tub. don't get And they have a big steamy makeout session. Yep. And they both admit their feelings. Yay. And it lasts all of eight hours. Just (laughs) Most of which they're asleep. (laughs) Yep. Like, they make out. He walks her to her room. And then the next morning, she gets on the bus. People applaud, which is gross. Yeah, it's gross. Also, oh. We forgot to say Peter actually, like, bought the Korean yogurt snack that she likes to demonstrate how much he likes her for the bus ride there. And so, you know. Yeah, he's like, I I did all this work. I was excited to spend time on the bus with you. It does show that he, like, pays attention to her and knows her. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Colt actually had, like, a noticeable spike in sales after this movie came out. Are you serious? Like, significant. I am not a fan of Yakult. I've never had it. It's kind of weird. I can imagine, so. Anyway, I think this brings us to point number four. Yes, the next morning. Just so you know, nothing happened between me and Jen last night. Now, what happened was that you went to her room in the first place. Yeah, look, Jen and I dated for a long time. Okay, those feelings aren't just going to go away. I mean, we have history. I'm tired of being second best or fake best. I no, don't no, know. No, 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 you do not get it. Okay, last night was... Last night was a mistake. So they're on the bus, or they get off the bus back at school, and uh, Jen gets off, and she approaches Laura Jean, and she talks about how it's so great that Laura Jean came on the trip, and that it's really nice of her to be so cool with Jen's relationship with Peter, and them hanging out all the time, and mentions that Peter went to her room last night, and then, as she's talking, she kind of casually pulls Laura Jean's scrunchie out, and puts it in her hair and says, oh yeah, Peter gave this to me. Isn't it really pretty? So now Laura Jean, rightfully so, thinks that Peter is... Two-timing her. Two-timing her. Yeah, that he's a jerk. He took her favorite scrunchie, gave it to Jen. Really not, like, if that had been true, really a horrible thing to do. 
but I don't know. Peter has shown her that he's nice. I don't know why. And, and she knows that Jen is not nice. Because they refuse to communicate. She makes a bunch of accusations and it's like, I'm not going to listen to your reasons. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so he tries to explain himself and she wouldn't even let him talk. Yeah, she refuses to listen to him at all, which shows that this is actually a terrible relationship. Right. That's what's so frustrating about this movie. Yeah. Yeah, that it is. It is. So she goes home. She's very upset. Around this time, a video of them making out also gets posted no, online. No, first what happens is she goes home and Margot is home early. And they're getting ready. They're decorating for Christmas. And Peter comes to the house because he wants to talk. And Laura Jean still hasn't told anybody except for Lucas that this was all fake. So she doesn't want Margot and Kitty kind of getting involved in this argument. So she takes him outside and they're talking. And then out of the shadow of the bushes... Josh shows up. Like he's been lurking yeah. on the doorstep yeah. for the last three years. Josh's his hood's creepily on so his head. Creepy. He looks creepy. Yeah, and so they start fighting, and Peter is like, oh, this is all about Josh. You really are in love with Josh. You don't actually like me. This is all a problem. And as he's saying that, Margot comes out, is very upset. She thinks that Laura Jean is currently in love with Josh. There's a lot of drama, which they sort of resolve. And that's when you find out that Kitty is the one who sent the letters. But okay, so then, like Will was about and to say. And apparently this is fine. Yeah, they get well, over this all real fast. The agreement is that Kitty has to do Laura Jean's hair for a year to make up for it, which I don't know about that. Which is a Disney Channel solution. Oh, absolutely. Maybe since Kitty has been on Disney Channel original movies, that's where she got this idea and suggested it to the writers. So like Will was saying, someone had taken a video of Laura Jean and Peter making out in the hot tub and they get posted it to Instagram as a sex tape. Laura Jean gets into the hot tub wearing her nightgown. So it is very like you can't see a swimsuit on her because she's not wearing a swimsuit. And the video is from really far away, which I think is like supposedly implying that she's actually naked. Yeah, and you can see that they are heavily making it. Yeah. So they deal with that. Margot reports it as child porn and it gets taken down. But when she returns to school after winter break, someone has taped a screenshot of this to Laura Jean's locker and written in Sharpie like, oh, it's always the one you least expect or something along those lines. Which like, get out. Yeah. Yeah. But this is Jen. This is exhausting. (laughs) I know. So Peter yells in the hallway. He tells everybody nothing happened. Stop bothering Laura Jean. And they talk and he goes, I don't know who did it. And she's like, really? There's only one person. It's only after Laura Jean tells him, like, you could have said something about it that he does stand up for her. Which again. Right. Not a great move from him. So she goes and confronts Jen, who never admits that she did it. But we all know Jen did it. And you find out that Jen has never gotten over that spin the bottle kiss yeah it's been like five or six it's years such bullshit yeah, to too because you can see lara jean does not want to kiss peter even during the kiss like she right. runs away from it super fast and jen ended up with peter so what she's still mad about exactly she has some serious issues she needs to work out bringing it back to good boys one of the adorable parts of the movie is that of the three central boys, two of them decide that they can't handle kissing. (laughs) So they just hang out in another room playing video games while everyone else is playing Spin the Bottle. Oh my gosh. That's cute. More like great boys. (laughs) All right. So that's the end of point four. So point five is Christmas is over. Margot has left. Laura Jean has asked Josh to come over just to kind of talk and hang out and kind of have a conversation that they needed to have months ago when he got the letter. I need you to know that I like you, Peter Kavinsky. And not in a fake way. 
And so I, I guess that's all I came here to say. The conclusion they come to, which I kind of like, is Laura Jean had a crush on him, but it was really almost like she thought she had to because they were friends. And in the end, she was just like, I think I really just wanted to be your friend and was sad that I was no longer your friend, which I thought is kind of a nice resolution to that. And it made sense to me. But also Josh was still being real creepy. He was so creepy. Well, he's also still not... He's still criticizing Peter. Like, Laura Jean has made it very clear that she likes Peter. And Josh is still insulting him to her, which is kind of rude. But she's saying, like, oh, I wish I had received a love letter. And then Kitty comes down and shows that she has saved all of the notes that Peter had given Laura Jean during their fake relationship. And they start reading them. And it's pretty clear that, like, no, Peter really did like Laura Jean. And she didn't really realize that. I don't even think she ever read the little notes he gave her. So Kitty, though, had kept them. And so Laura Jean reads them and is like, oh, shoot, he liked me too this whole time, not just from the hot tub time. So she hops in her car. Machine? Is that a sequel to this? Well, the sequel is The Hot Tub Time Machine 2, a movie that was made. (sighs) What? Anyway, future episode, Hot Tub Time Machine 2. I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility. <laughs> no, it is not. Oh, boy. So, sorry, Fiona. Oh, that's okay. $13 million. I got a 14% on Rotten Tomatoes. Excellent. Sounds right up our alley. Yeah, it really does. So, Laura Jean decides she's going to go find Peter. So, she drives to school, which is a big deal. She does a terrible parking job. She parks, I think, in four different spots when she leaves her car. And she runs up to Peter on the lacrosse field. He's the goalie. He is the goalie. She's holding a note, and she was like... Oh. Oh, I have to tell you something. I don't know if we made clear. Their first interaction for real was when she almost hit him with her car. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She is really not a good driver. She's backing out of the parking spot. She almost hits him. He was kind of obnoxious after that, though. Yeah. A little bit. But also, he almost got yeah, hit but by Also, car. when you almost get hit, you have room to criticize someone's driving. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I thought he leaned into it kind of hard. He was flirting People with lean into Largene's driving real hard throughout the movie. They really do. They really do. Yeah, I just don't think that the way to make someone more comfortable with their driving is for everyone around her to be constantly harassing her for what a bad driver she is. That's true. So anyway, so she drives to school and she's like, oh, I have to tell you something. And he goes, okay. And she goes, I drove here. And he goes, oh, that's cool. And then she tries to walk away, but he sees that she's got a note in her hand. And he goes, no, 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 come back here. And he takes it from her and he starts to read. And he goes, no, no, if you want me to read this, you have to hand it to me, which I thought was nice after the last love letter he received. She did not intend for him to have. So he was like, no, you got to read this. So she starts to read from it. And then she decides to go rogue and not read the letter and just speak from her heart. And she basically is like, yeah, no, I like you. Not in a fake way. I I like you for real. I want to have a real relationship with you. And then she starts to walk away again. And then he goes, no, I get to talk here too. And this is where he explains that when he had gone to Jen's room, it was to tell her that they were never getting back together. And that he really does. (laughs) I knew that was coming. And that he he is in love with Laura Jean and they kiss on the lacrosse field and walk. Just like the tree of life field from the beginning. Exactly. And they walk away happily as a real couple. And she even tries to be like, oh, what do we put in a contract for a real relationship? And he goes, no, you don't do that. That line was trash. Yes. Anyway. And that's the end. And then Fiona hits start again. (laughs) I've never actually done that. What is the least amount of time that has existed between two times watching this movie for you? Three days. I thought it was less than that. No, I don't think so. I think I watched it the first time and then I watched it two or three days later. 
I don't remember. It was over a year ago. I don't keep a diary of every time I watch this movie. Okay. Yeah, just just to be clear on that. I mm-hmm. don't know if you were wondering. I mean, like, I'm on Letterboxd, so I can literally look up what day I watch every movie. True. But for repeat times? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. So, we have seen the love story of Lara Jean Covey and Peter Kavinsky. Do we find their romance believable? Kind of. That's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. There is an amount of, like, high school angst that I'm on board with. The extent to which they fail to communicate is frustrating. Believable to a point. It crosses a line into absurdity in their failure to communicate, and I didn't really buy into the fake relationship at the beginning anyway. Also, we have to count Josh as part of the romance of this movie. Oh, true. true. (laughs) Which is believable, I think. I don't think that the idea of having a fake relationship is completely off the wall, though. No, it's not the least believable movie for sure. And I've done a lot of criticizing, but I did enjoy watching this movie. It's true. Yeah, it's fun. fun. I like watching it. I wouldn't watch it 15 times. No, I don't need to see it again. But it's charming enough. Every week, we rate the believability of romances on a 10-point scale. Fiona, where does this movie fall for you? I'm going to say a six. I think that some of the things are a little bit crazy, but I think the lack of communication is realistic for high school students. And like the type of drama that comes out, I think, is realistic for high school students. I was thinking around there too, five or six, maybe slightly more believable than not. Yeah, I could go with a six on this one. I think Fiona's logic makes yes. sense. So do you think that Laura Jean and Peter are dateable? Now, Fiona, you have a portrait of Peter Kavinsky on your wall. So you would say the Kavinsky method works for <laughs> you. I, would, I guess I, I would have to say yes. <laughs> like, what is it about him that grabs you? He's really cute. The way he says things, his mannerisms, he is really cute. And I think that's I it. I really am not on the Noah Centineo train. I do not get it. Yeah. He's fine. I think, yeah, I don't know. I find him very cute. Okay. I really, <laughs> that is just it. What about Lara Jean? I think Lara Jean's more dateable than Peter. I yes. think she is. I think I see some of myself in her and like kind of nerdy, likes to read, like, has friends, but also is fine sitting alone and reading a book, too, you know? And I find myself dateable, so okay, she must be. I was worried it was going to go the other way. <laughs> no. Yeah, I think Lara Jean definitely more than Peter. I think Peter's kind of obnoxious at times. I don't think I personally would date Lara Jean. No. Right. I think maybe in the long run, Peter could mature. Maybe college will do him good. I think he's potentially on the track to be like, cool, nice jock. Yeah, that's what I think. Yeah, he's a little too heavy on the like, cool jock part of it right now yeah but i think he is nice and is growing i think that laura jean would bring out the nice part of him yeah i think it's fair oh right so if you guys had to pick one person in this movie to date who would it be so the dad in this movie is played by john corbett yes i don't think it's a fantastic performance but there is a scene where he is sitting on the stairs drinking wine and just commenting on the teen romance and drama that other people are talking about. And that I like. Oh, absolutely. First of all, like his volume and the way his face looks, I feel like he is tipsy when he's saying that. Yeah, 100%. John Corbett Um, may have been tipsy while saying that too, for all we know. Possibly, yeah. Again, I don't think it's the best acting, but I really like him as the dad in this movie. Oh, he's great. So that's my answer. I was leading towards Lucas, 
He's the gay kid who likes to stay in, do Korean face masks, and not go outside, so all those check boxes for me. Yeah, he is pretty great. One of those three, I think, would be my choice. John Corbett, Lucas, and... Peter Kavinsky. Okay, okay. Yeah. Would Lara Jean and Peter stay together? You can't <laughs> count your knowledge of the other books. That's fine. I think at least through high school. Yeah, I think... But I don't think too long beyond that. No, I... No, I don't think so. I think at best it's a turkey drop. More likely she will break up with him before they go to college. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Well, you know their mom's rule. Uh, that's right. Do they stay together in the books? Well, you said it's a love triangle. There's a lot of back and forth. They are together, but she hangs out with John Ambrose McLaren a lot. Okay, well, maybe the next time you're on the show, we'll ask you for an update based on P.S. I Still Love You. Okay, great. Now, this has happened many times to many of the movies we've covered. So, Fiona, should the film To All the Boys I've Loved Before be turned into a stage musical? I don't think so. I think that I want to say yes because I love this movie and I love the book, but I think it would just be super cheesy and I think it'd be too much. I think it could kind of work. Yeah, I think this is one of our more musical worth movies we've covered in a while. Because, like, we've got some intense emotions, we've got some high drama, some good opportunities for, like, a sad song, a love song, a triumphant song on a lacrosse field. The weird characters I think I song just, for Chris. I don't want to hear a song from, like, an angsty high schooler singing about their romance drama. Sounds like you shouldn't watch Spring Awakening. Or West Side Story. I have never seen the whole thing of either of those. Why haven't you watched West Side Story? In Spanish class in high school, we spent an entire week watching this movie but we had short classes periods for this class and we never finished and then when it came monday the following week and we were literally we could have finished the movie in that class our teacher goes oh we don't have time for this this was never my plan for us to be watching this movie anyways so we have to move on and i'm like we just spent an entire week this was your plan you can't tell me this was not your plan so so i've never seen the end you watch this movie in english for your spanish class yeah This was the same teacher who would spend time passing around the Mother's Day card that her dog had given her. (laughs) And she, she went on and on before giving us the card. She went on and on about how she took her dog to a farm and the dog loved it and got to run around in the fields and had a great time with all the open space. And then she shows us the card and the card literally says, no more farms for me, please. So did the dog like the farm? I don't think so. So whether or not you learned Spanish and whether or not you learned what happened in West Side Story, you did learn about lying in this class. I did. I did learn from the best, apparently. Did your Spanish teacher even acknowledge that only one character in this movie seems to be a native Spanish speaker? One actor, I mean? Nope. 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 Great. It was a weird class. We also watched the Selena movie. We did see the whole thing of that. I'm so glad that sounds like a class that effectively used time. And on that note, I think that does it for To All the Boys I Loved Before. Yep. Next week, we are going to be sticking with teenage romance as we talk about sports and competition and passionate feelings in love and basketball. I know zero things about this movie. I look forward to it. It's supposed to be good. I've never seen this one either. Until then, you can follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at Love the Love Pod, and you can email us questions or movie suggestions at lovethelovepod at gmail.com. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Reviews on Apple Podcasts in particular really help other people to find the show. Last question, Fifi Fierce. What is the best piece of dating advice you got from To All the Boys I've Loved Before? If you have a distant crush... Write a love letter to them, address it, and leave it somewhere, and maybe someone will mail it for you.
That's terrible advice. It worked for Lara Jean. It worked too much. She had Josh hanging out in her bushes. All right. Tell me your advice and maybe I'll come up with something better. I, I have a new one. Buy Korean yogurts for them. It'll show you really care. If you rely too much on open and honest communication, things might work out faster. But will they work out <laughs> better? <laughs> I think mine has to be respect somebody's choices. If they don't want to drink, give them an empty cup. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good one. All right. There you go. Until next time, I'm gay. And I'm a ginger. So between the two of us, we know everything there is to know about romance. Bye. 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 Buy a token now for a ride in Super Wow on the subway. Subway! Can you see my...